Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Today we talk to Lily, a beautiful mother of three children, about her incredible journey through endometriosis, unexpected conception, infertility, IVF, stillbirth, and most recently, rainbow baby twins. Just a warning that this episode covers some very sensitive topics and may bring up some unexpected emotions when listening. Hi, Lily. Hi. (laughs) Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, My name is Lily. Um, Just turned 40 a few weeks ago. Happy Happy birthday. birthday. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I am currently a stay-at-home mum of three beautiful children. I've got an eight-year-old boy called Dash and twins that are 16 months nearly. Wow. Gigi and Jet. So you are a busy woman. Yes. Yes, I am. But she's one of those annoying people. You go around to her house and her house is immaculate. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get into any tips and tricks later on how you make it look like you keep it together (laughs) even if you don't. But, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're going to be covering a bit of like some sensitive content today. So we thank you for being so brave and opening up um, with the hope that it helps some people listening who may have gone through the same things or may be able to relate in some way. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Do you want to tell us a bit about how your motherhood journey began? Yep. Okay, so to start, I had been diagnosed with endometriosis. This was prior to giving birth to my first son, Dash. And can you just explain what endometriosis, I can't even say it, endometriosis <laughs> is for people who don't know? Okay, so I didn't actually know I had it myself. I had really irregular periods for a long time, like throughout my whole 20s basically. Um, early 30, I think I'd just turned 30, I started getting some really bad like severe pain um the periods became like more irregular um so I wasn't actually aware of what it was I just thought my periods were changing um I actually got rushed to hospital uh thinking that I had an appendicitis um they were prepping me for a for surgery basically Mm. and the surgeon came out and said I'm actually going to stop right here. I don't think it's an appendicitis. I actually think you've got severe endometriosis. Wow. Um, And he said, I'm actually going to refer you to a gynecologist obstetrician that sort of specialises in it. I went and saw him that next week and I booked in, he booked me in to have a laparoscopy like pretty much immediately, like a few days later. What's that? 
laparoscopy is surgery to remove any endometriosis. It's where they put a micro, uh, not a microphone, a camera in through your belly yeah. button and have a look around. But what is in? What is that? What is so endometriosis? Is so the endometrium is the lining of the inside of your uterus. So that's what sheds when you have your period, um, and it's when you have tissue from there outside of your uterus. Um, and that generally causes pain, yeah. heaps of bloating when you have your period. Often if it's like on your bowel, it'll mean that when you have your period yeah. you have like diarrhoea or if it's on your mm. bladder it'll feel like when you've got your period you've got UTIs or and it oh, can make wow. um, sex really painful. Yeah. Um, but the thing that's so hard about it is it like presents in such a wide range of ways and often won't show up on a ultrasound mm. so you might go into your doctor and say look I've got really painful periods but they can't really tell you that you've got it for sure until they do go in and do a laparoscopy wow yeah so um it, when they do that d- does that fix well he basically said to me look we're going to go in I he suspected it was definitely a severe case of endometriosis did the surgery, was supposed to be a 20-minute procedure, actually woke up um, and he had said to me, okay, this turned into a four-hour surgery. Oh, my god! I had to call in a bowel surgeon. Um, he said your right ovary was fused to your appendix, your left ovary was fused to your bowel. Oh, um, my god! It was so bad. The endometriosis had spread so bad. Um you must so, have a high pain threshold to well, go that, that many years. Yeah, but I did, like you said, I had problems with my bowel and there's so many other things. And at the time I was a flight attendant and I assumed a lot of it was from flying so frequently too. Like the bloating I knew a lot of the girls yeah. had problems with bloating. And so I didn't, yeah, it, and it only would around the time of a period also would become more painful or so... Yeah, and then after the surgery, when he said that it it was actually such a huge surgery, it was really severe, the endometriosis. I had also had previous surgery when I was 18. I had a tumour removed from um, my left ovary. So he said the scar tissue from that surgery 10 years ago was also quite bad as well, so he had to remove all of that. So basically I woke up from surgery. He said to me, look, your chances of falling pregnant are slim to none. I'd basically say you're infertile. I know you're only 30, but if you are looking at, you know, becoming a mum one day, you should look into maybe IVF now or freezing your eggs. But he said, we'll chat about it. Like he was... Yeah, get over yeah. the surgery I first. said, that's yeah. What, yeah, just recover from the surgery <laughs> yeah. and we'll talk about it. So I basically woke up from surgery going, okay, never really thought about my fertility, having kids previously like I'd only just met the person I even thought about having kids with um yeah so that was where you know that started me thinking about becoming a mum oh wow might be infertile um god what a way to you know yeah that space I guess of yeah and yeah it was it was actually pretty scary well it would be hard because i feel like you're not even really given the chance to be like well am i ready now or am i just all of a sudden wanting to have kids because i feel like 
Yeah. It's like now or never. Um, so, you know, making those decisions are hard enough. So were you in a relationship at this time? Just had met my partner that I'm with now, EJ, who is the father of all my children. We had only just met six months prior to this surgery. So just six months. <laughs> That's a And lot. he was fantastic. He was so supportive and so amazing. And he's a bit younger than you too. He was he? five years, five years younger than me. Yeah. So, so tell us the conception of Dash. So as soon as I had that surgery, I had um, I'd actually walked away from the surgery just thinking, okay, right, I'm not actually ready to have children yet anyway. You know, things will work out. Yeah. I've just started this relationship. I went back to see my doctor, had a four-week checkup post-op where he wanted to talk about, that's when he wanted to talk about, you know, my future of becoming a mother and IVF and have that chat. Um, and I actually had really bad pain at the time. I thought that I had an infection. Um, I went back. He sent me for some blood tests. And I got a phone call a few days later um, from the doctor to say, you are pregnant. What? You and Jade have something in common. You both get horny post-op. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Well, one of Jade's daughters was conceived after she got her appendix out. Oh, really? And I'm like, I'm sitting here like, God, for at least six weeks post-op, I would be like, do not touch me, but you two are rabbits. Wow. Yes, so basically pretty much the first time we did have sex post-operation, we conceived Ash. And he said there was minimal, like. He, yeah, he basically rang me and I went in to see him because, you know, he said you need to come in and see me and he you was went, You very, liar. <laughs> he was well, quite it's shocked. Not, it's not even really the lying, like often after often if people are having trouble conceiving and they have a history of endometriosis, they will often get a laparoscopy and kind of clear everything out. And then generally after you've had that operation and everything's been cleared, you're like at your most fertile. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe if you had waited, like, I mean, who knows? You don't know. Maybe if you had waited longer, it may have been harder, but she was like, Fresh, fresh and clean. That's wow. what he said. He said, basically, I've just given you a huge clean out. So even though he said due to all the scar tissue, the fact that I have half a left ovary, like that fallopian tube was damaged, there was a lot of wow. reasons why he said basically, you know, fertility won't. So how come. did you feel when you heard that? I was in complete shock. I was very shocked. So I had just got to the point where I was okay with the fact that you may never, I may be infertile, and it could be a long journey. But I'm not. I'm just going to put that to the side right now. Enjoy my new relationship that I was so happy in, and bam, we were pregnant <laughs> six months into our so, relationship. Luckily, we were still in the honeymoon phase, and we we're all, you know, still. And what did your your partner say? He was. In, in shock as well we weren't even living together at this point we were still you know in that you know blissful honeymoon phase where 
But I had already fallen madly in love with him and knew that he was the one I wanted to be with. I think that was... That one day when you had children yeah, you wanted them would, to be with he him. he was the yeah. one that he, I was going to do that with. So once we got over the, init- the initial shock, we were both really happy and really excited and we're like, wow, this is meant to be, this has happened for a reason. And how was it getting to know someone <laughs> while you're going through pregnancy and having a baby? What yeah. was that like? It was interesting. It was good. I feel like we were just, we were still, I don't know, we hadn't even lived together yet. So we moved yeah. in together, obviously. We thought, okay, we get a place together. <laughs> we're not going to live separately and have a child. Um but it was really good. Yeah. We were really excited. Like it was a really good, happy time in our relationship. And was your pregnancy with Dash straightforward and straightforward? I have really bad sickness, morning yeah. sickness or all day sickness. Yeah. Um I still flew right up until I was allowed to. Like I was twenty eight weeks when I went on the ground. I think I went into the office for another four weeks after that and then yeah. I went on maternity leave. So yeah. But things were good, other than the fact that I was vomiting 24-7. God, I can't imagine that in the while back being alley, in the toilet. toilet. Yeah. I don't know how you did it. I can't yeah. even do it on the ground. I don't know how you did it in the air looking after people. Yeah, it was. I'd be like sitting down in my own seat going, <laughs> you can all look after <laughs> yeah. me. Give me a sickness back. It was, yeah, it was hard looking back. I don't know why I did it for so long, but I, I still loved flying. So, yeah, it was good. And then after having Dash, how long after having him did you decide that you were ready to have another baby? Yep. So we had built our house. I think we moved into our house when Dash turned two. And I once we moved in and we kind of settled in, it was about six months after that. I was like, okay, I'm ready to try again. I knew Dash was a miracle. You know, it was a fluke. Didn't know whether it was going to be a long journey or not, but I thought, okay, we'll just start trying. Naturally. Naturally. Yep. We'll just see how we go. Um, so I think about a year after trying naturally, and that wasn't like trying, trying, like, you know, I knew. Come home now. I'm over, I'm yeah, not home. like that, but just, you know, aware of, you know, when around yeah. I would be ovulating yeah. and, you know. So we did that for about a year and I remember my doctor saying, look, you know, he was more so let's just jump straight into IVF. I think IVF's your thing. Let's just do yeah. it. Um, whereas I wasn't really in a hurry. Dash was only two. And I remember thinking, okay, we'll see how it goes. A year later I did my first round of Clomid. Mm-hmm. I remember my doctor saying, okay, look, the natural thing's not working. Let's just up the ante a bit. We'll do some Clomid. So I did- Which is a medication that helps you ovulate. Yes. <laughs> So pinpointing my ovulation a little bit better and then that's when he would actually blood test me, ring me and say, okay, you're going to ovulate, you know, tomorrow or you'll ovulate on, you know, just let me know. So it's a little bit more. And I think also Clomid does, can make you hyperovulate as well. Yeah. Like you can, you know. Yeah. So there's more chance of you falling pregnant. I think we did six cycles. So most you can do of Clomid, mm-hmm. so we did six cycles. How did you find that? Because I've heard some people say that that medication was worse than, like, actual IVF. Yeah, I feel like I was a lot more up and down yeah. and hormonal on Clomid than I was with the IVF drugs. Yeah. Also, yeah, 
I, I was always scared of IVF because of the IVF drugs, but yeah. I feel like that mm. wasn't anywhere near as bad as yeah. the actual Clomid. Clomid no, I've heard that from other people more. who were like they felt so many symptoms with Clomid and then when they actually did IVF they were like, okay, well, this is, yeah, you know, I don't feel this as much as. No, I feel like yeah. Clomid was, yeah, definitely I was more hormonal. Is it a very expensive um, journey, Clomid? Or? No, Clomid's not. It's just a script of tablets. I think you just take this five tablets from memory that you take at the start of your period or, I yeah. Don't, I don't know the yeah. nitty-gritty, yeah. So, no, not too expensive. Yeah, okay. So, but I, I did, I think I did six cycles maybe all in a row mm-hmm. or having a break in between um, for about a year and then no pregnancy I remember coming into Christmas thinking, okay, we're going to give this a break. We had a holiday booked in. Just going to go and enjoy holidays. Yeah. And then next year we'll go again. Did um, you find it had psychologically taken over? Yes. Yeah. At that point because I was a new and I was ovulating. Yeah. You know, pee on the stick, mm. come back negative. Okay, oh, we've got to do this again. So but it did actually. Month. Like did yeah. intercourse become like a mish, like a bit of a. Yeah, definitely. A, a occupation. <laughs> definitely trying to conceive yeah. to that point. I think, it, yeah. I think it must with everyone that, you know, tries to con- like yeah. conceive for that long. Yeah, when you're in tears, like second year. Yeah, and it did get to the point where the doctor would ring and say, This is when you're going to ovulate. And, you know, your doctor's telling you when to have sex. Yeah, That's what I guess romantic. It's not romantic. <laughs> but and I remember EJ actually saying, I feel like I'm being used at one point. But I've heard a lot of people feel like this in this time when you are trying and trying, and it is hard for both of you because you can't. You know, because you're actually trying to get pregnant, it's not this, oh, let's go have sex because we love each other and blah, blah, blah. Of course you do, but because there's this serious thing, that yeah. an outcome that you're wanting to do, I think there's so much pressure on the both of you to do that. Um, you know, that would surely affect your body and oh, your yeah. mindset. And yeah, especially when you're told when to. And I think it, mm. when you've got another child and it's like, mm. you know, I think once you have a child, like you're not just Rocking ready to go. You're not, like, you're <laughs> no. not just ready to no. go at all hours. So, like, you know, no, Dash might have been up all night the night before and then suddenly your doctor's calling you, oh, you've, you've got to have sex today. And it's like. Yeah. I don't want to. <laughs> I know. I remember yeah. a, a moment actually where the doctor rang and said, you know, you're ovulating today. And we had three builders outside building the granny <laughs> flat. I had Dash downstairs <laughs> watching a movie. And Bad, we had, go. Yeah, and it was, yeah. I had to say to EJ, you're going to have to go upstairs <laughs> soon. <laughs> can you ask the builders to watch Dash? And it was... <laughs> I thought you were going to say, can you get the builders to watch us? I mean, whatever you're in. <laughs> Just to spice it up a bit. <laughs> so it did become, yeah, and I think it actually started to emotionally affect me too. Like every time I did do a home pregnancy test and I was negative, you know, that's it did start, you know, I did start having a few tears here and yeah. there. And, you know, the actual thought, oh, this is never going to happen and we're never going to have any more kids. Mm. So how, how long has this been now? 
So that would have been a, a whole year natural and two years, two full years of doing Clomid wow. cycles. Wow, okay. So my doctor actually said we'll do another six rounds of Clomid, mm. which I did that following year. And then I kind of got to December. I remember saying did the last round of Clomid and remember saying to my doctor, okay, this is it. Like, let's talk IVF. Absolutely. And he had said to me, we should have, you know, talked about IVF a lot earlier. But given my age, like I was 36, 37 at the time. So, yeah, he was quite adamant that, you know, it's only going to get harder Mm. if we don't, you know, go the IVF route, which we decided to do. And then had what was your experience like with IVF? Well, it was actually good. I always, for some reason, I don't know why, I think I might have had a lot of friends or a lot of people have negative IVF experiences. I might have read, I don't know why I felt so negatively about IVF. And to be yeah. honest, once we had done it, I wish we had done it mm. two years prior. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people. I feel but like I guess it really... anyone's negative, like anyone's negative review always sings out louder. Yeah. You know, than, like people are often quicker to say when something is has been bad, bad mm. rather than yeah. good. So we did a we did like a little information morning at the IVF clinic that my doctor works through. Um, and we kind of went away from that just going, okay, this doesn't sound that bad. Let's just do it. And it was January 2017 that we started IVF. So I did my first round of IVF. And what um, happens? So you just didn't, like, what, I don't, I have this thing in my head that there's just this big white clinical room and you go down on this bed, <laughs> open your legs, they put some like a syringe in, put some semen in there, in your eggs. No, so IVF is like you can do that you can like the turkey baster method, which <laughs> is where they help just like get the sperm into you. Yeah. But what Lily did is that it's like they take your egg. Yep like outside of your body Mm -hmm. and then the sperm, like we're not going to get into like actual. (laughs) No, please do. No, no, I no, it's so complex. Like it's so, so complex. Dr. Tim, yeah, I'm I'm not going to pretend that I can tell you about the different stages of fertilisation, but like, yeah, they fertilise the egg outside of the body. Yeah. And then they wait till, so an egg and a sperm, once it's fertilised, then become an embryo Mm -hmm. and then, like there's a certain day they like the embryo to get to and then they put that embryo back inside the woman. And how do they do that? So, well, I had the egg retrieved. So you've got to inject yourself with the, you know, all the hormones hormones to get you to, it is, well, you're hyperovulating, aren't you? Mm. Because you've got to release. Mm. So they want, you know, normally in a a normal month you would just ovulate one egg, whereas they give you all these hormones so that you have lots there and they collect them all. So you go into so, surgery. So then they hope that then they f- hope they can fertilize them all. And then so they hope that you can have quite a lot of embryos, but then they'll just put one back okay. and then they'll yes. freeze the rest. Does oh, does that make sense? Yeah. So then you're not every time you're getting an embryo put back in. Yep. It it you haven't just had to like you haven't had to ovulate again and okay. so they've sense. done it at one yeah. time and they're yeah. going to do that yeah. it depends on how successful yeah. your cycle is so my doctor said to me look 
you've got one ovary that works, we might be lucky to get six or eight eggs. Hopefully we'll get as many of them fertilised as possible and you'll end up with, you know, three embryos. I My first round I went in for an egg collection, they got 18 eggs of one ovary, the one ovary. Wait, you've got some super stuff in there. <laughs> Which was, he said was amazing. He never thought I would get that many eggs in, in one basket. One, <laughs> yeah, one cycle. 16 of them were of good enough quality to be fertilised and then we got six embryos. So we got six potential babies wow. just in one cycle. So we got six babies in the freezer ready to go. Six babies in the so freezer. So it was quite a successful idea. Yeah. I mean, when I talk about when I thought IVF as a really negative experience, I know people that do that an egg collection and they get no. And now I understand. So they've got to go. Like you said 18 and then you dropped it down and then you dropped it down again and then once you get your your little um, pots of gold, that's it. It's how the end thing. Yeah, and you're waiting on the phone. But that's good. And then you never know which of them are going to take. Yeah. And the thing is, actually, that was probably good because I think they do go a little bit easier with your first cycle to see how you – React, react to everything so that was probably a really good response especially Definitely. from your first cycle so yeah. that was a huge success I was blown away with that so already I thought okay IVF's not that bad this is yeah this is good you know it was really success successful straight away for us to know that we had six embryos ready to go um, or six potential babies. And so did they just pop one in? Yeah, so I think it was I had to wait a month after the egg retrieval just yep. for um, a cycle and then because they put an embryo in exactly five days after you ovulate. So we had our first embryo put in five days after my first I first ovulated um, and, yeah, I was pregnant. Two weeks later. So you've got to, it's actually got to attack, obviously. They put it in and then your body has yes. to either implant it, implant it or reject it. Yeah. yeah. So you'll do, yeah, you do a pregnancy test. I think they blood test you two weeks after the embryo goes in and either pregnant or you're not. And not did you pregnant. wait for that blood test or did you do? No, I did. Oh. I actually waited for that blood yeah. test. Because I remember thinking, people... okay, I'm not going to. No. Yeah. A lot of people pee on the stick because they yeah, can't I think, wait. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's why the IVF clinics say don't do a yeah. pregnancy test because, you know, the timeline, you might get disappointed but you might end up being pregnant yeah. and just wait for the blood test. So yeah. we did and, yeah, we were pregnant straight away. I was like, wow. And then can you tell us a bit about okay. that pregnancy? Yes. So that pregnancy was... Looking back now, it was a bit difficult from the get-go. I had a lot of sort of um, just random bleeds all throughout the beginning of the pregnancy. Everything was fine with the baby but and my doctor could not actually explain to me where the bleeds were coming from. I've heard this a few times, though, that people bleed through pregnancy and I don't know if this is a similar, like, what's happening to you but um my girlfriend bled through her pregnancy mm. like yeah just 
bled. And, and when I, you're talking about your bleeding, was it like spotting or you yeah, mean like spotted, flooding? And then, and... no, I had a few huge floods yeah. Yeah, around like the – and I actually thought I was having a miscarriage mm, on a few mm. occasions, but everything was fine. Like I'd go in for the scan, baby was fine, my doctor be – I, you know, would not be able to explain why I was bleeding. The placenta was intact. Everything was fine, but I was just having these – random sort of bleeds and he had said there's been a lot of pregnancies where people do bleed you know through the pregnancy and the pregnancy's fine go to full term so, so did you just go okay let's well fine. it always worried me because I always thought oh you're bleeding mm. you're you're losing your baby I've always just I'm having a miscarriage so it was a lot of times throughout the beginning of the pregnancy that I did think you know, this surely this isn't right. But yeah. I'd have the scan and the baby was fine. Everything was fine. And I was reassured that everything was fine. Mm. So, and, and when did that go till? So I was 18 weeks. Yep, 18 weeks. So you've been just, having on and off bleeding yeah, on and off. the whole time. Yeah. It had kind of settled, I think, around the 13, 14 week mark. So yeah. everything was fine. Um, everything had settled. We just had, I think we just had our 18-week scan. Everything was fine. We found out we were having a little boy. Mm. So we did a little, um, we got a balloon with the blue glitter inside and did a little family, just EJ Iron Dash. And we got Dash to pop it and found out he was having a little brother. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, so I was only just then, 18 weeks, and it was, I was actually at work. I was finishing work. I worked at Witchery, I was in retail research shop across the, like, near where I live. Um, and I was just closing the shop on a Sunday afternoon and, yeah, I had a massive bleed, like a huge gush. The biggest one you've had? Yeah, massive. Um, and I, you know, grabbed the lady next door that worked in at Sunburn and just handed the keys and said, I've got to go, can you, you know, close the shop, do whatever. Rang EJ, rang my doctor, um, and my doctor actually said to me, get straight up to the hospital. I'll meet up there. I'm hopping in the car now. So, yeah, we did a scan. Everything seemed fine. Again, he said fine. Fine. The amniotic sac was intact because I did have a quite a huge gush. It was blood, but it was also fluid, so I actually thought my water had broke. He said that the water, my water hadn't broke. Um, and then because it was sort of late that night, I think it wasn't until the morning that he came in, he said, okay, your actual placenta has torn. That's where all the blood's coming from because I actually was bleeding quite heavily. So like torn away from the uterus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so it was quite a heavy bleed and they just, he basically said, look, we're just going to keep in here for a few days mm. on complete bed rest. We're going to just see if this just heals itself. The sac's still intact, so everything's all right, baby's fine, um, but we just want the bleeding to ease up. We don't yeah. want you going anywhere. We don't want you doing anything. Um, and this was 18 weeks? Yeah, so I was coming into, I was almost 19 weeks. Then we kind of turned to him having a conversation with me about possibly ending the pregnancy. The bleeding hadn't stopped. The bleeding was actually getting worse. Um, 
And I think this at this point was, you know, doing this before the 20-week mark. It's, you know, once a baby or a fetus hits 20 weeks, post 20, 20 weeks are actually considered, you know, uh, alive. You've got to then, if anything happens, have a funeral. Um, it's classed as a death, whereas prior to 20 weeks... It's a miscarriage. Can, it's a miscarriage. Can they, uh, can you, can an 18-week-old baby survive? No. no. Okay. I think Legally, the youngest baby... But they can get it has been like 24, maybe even 22 weeks. Yeah, now. legally, well, this is another conversation that, you know, there was a lot of people in the ward that actually came in to speak to me about this and, you know, if anything was, if I was to give birth or if anything happened, they couldn't keep the baby on life support prior to 24 weeks. Right. So if anything was to happen at that point, so, and were they thinking about termination around 19 weeks for your health? As in they couldn't say for sure that the baby was... Gonna... Yeah, and my doctor, he kept saying, look, honestly, he, in his opinion, he didn't think the pregnancy was going to continue. He, yeah. He felt like the placenta was that badly torn that yeah. it wasn't going to repair so itself. was it tearing... From the start? Is that what the problem well, of the bleed was? No. He, in his opinion, he said no, it was never. But, I mean, who knows? I never really got answers as to why I bled from the beginning, like what those sort of random bleeds were. Um, but now it was definitely confirmed that the placenta was quite, you know, badly torn and I think at even one point he said the actual placenta itself is, you know, basically not a good placenta. That's why he thought it wasn't going to actually, you know, the pregnancy just would not last. Last. Yeah. It wasn't going to get to a point. I could not make that decision. I, I just found it just a very difficult decision to make. I still had hope that, you know, and if it wasn't a definite, definite, it's definitely yeah. not going to last. I just couldn't make the decision. I He actually said to me, I'm going to send you up to Brisbane to see a specialist. Um, so at this point I was just on bed rest in hospital. Um, I then that night after we had sort of had this discussion, I made that decision, um, I did have a massive gush again and that was my water breaking so the amniotic sac had then burst the bleeding was that severe that it did actually burst the sac um and then that was when basically my doctor said it's time now to terminate um but we we still couldn't make the decision so he still said if you want to go see this specialist there has been cases where Amniotic sacs have been known to replenish themselves yeah. and if we can get you to that 24-week or that 25-week or 26-week, you know, we we will, we can. You are going to hang on to any bit of hope I considering did. you're nearly halfway through the pregnancy. I know and I just couldn't give up. I'm not I'm not no. that type of person that just throws in the towel. And I did was... you have like a bump at this stage? Yeah. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Like this is and this is. Yeah, this was a baby that was in the making for 
a long time. Of course. Like we wanted like, him. This is your this is not just oh I got pregnant and here's a baby, it's lovely. This is hard years of work yeah. to get to this point. Yeah. So I went up to Brisbane, went and saw this specialist. He was amazing, a beautiful man. And he did his scan and he basically said to me there was enough amniotic fluid at the time for him to think that, you know, there was a little bit of hope. Wow. And as I left his office, he actually held my hand and he said, look. (laughs) Sorry. Give him a chance to fight. Let him make. Sorry. Let him make his own fate. Um, But, yeah, this isn't a decision that you should make. Let nature take its course. If he can't fight, he won't. Um, But, yeah, don't you make this decision because there is hope. He said, I've known of stories where, you know, this has ended well. So let's just send you home. He said, you're on complete bed rest. I want you getting up to go to the toilet and having a shower once a day. That's it. And you go see a doctor when you need to see him. But that's that this is, and he said, we can do this in hospital. You can do complete bed rest in hospital or we can do it at home. But yeah, so that's what we did. We drove home. We, he'd spoken to my doctor. I'd spoken to my doctor and that was the plan. We were just going to hope for the best. I would have done the same. And just see how he went and every week was a bonus if we could just get to 24 weeks. So at this point I was just nearly 20 weeks, like two days before 20 weeks. So I thought, okay, this is not too bad. I'm just going to be in bed for a month and if anything happens after that, if I go into labour or if we need to get him out, he'll be okay because, you know, at least then he can be on life support and he will survive. Um, so I went home was on bed rest. A few days later, I was on the phone to my doctor every day, like he would ring in every day, um, and I woke up a few days later and I just knew that something was wrong. I actually felt that he wasn't moving. Um, so I went up to see my doctor. He did an ultrasound and said, yes, no heartbeat. He's gone. Um and basically he said to just go home, go to bed, let your body go naturally into labour. Oh, my gosh. Um, which I was actually scared. I was really quite scared to do that. I would prefer to have just stayed in hospital, but I was in so much shock. Yeah, I just went home. I did jump into bed. And I just waited to physically start oh gosh. feeling labour, which took two days. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was awful, two days, probably, yeah, just awful. I had so many, yeah, emotions in the two days. It was you know, one minute I wanted to run away and keep him inside me for the, forever. Yeah. And other days I just wanted to go to the hospital and be like, get have, this over and done with. 
Yeah, yeah. so I can move on because I was just laying there in bed with my baby. How can I just ask a question? Um, how, like, just that you've been talking about this now, when I hear when people have to birth their stillborn child, is it a process mentally for you that you're doing it? Like, you you want to naturally do it. I just, I... I want to know the difference between naturally going through it or them just doing it for you. Um, do you mean as a cesarean? Yeah. Do you have to? Like, is that the only option? That no, you have to- I think you can opt to have a cesarean. I actually asked my doctor, I said, can you actually knock me out? Can we just do it? And he said, look, you're going to recover from a cesarean. You know, you're going to be in a lot of pain. It's not... It's not worth it. He basically said to me, "It's it, it, you know, it's a better process physically, also for me to just yeah. go through natural labour rather than having a cesarean and, you know, recovering from a cesarean, you know, without a baby." Yeah, I think there's quite, it, and he it's said that quite, it's, you know, like, I guess controversial because a lot of people do think, "Oh, I would just want a cesarean in that case. Like, I don't want to go through labour." Um, and I guess the baby is so small that you assume that labour will generally, I think, be faster than mm. at full term. I just, but I think that they, especially if you haven't had a cesarean before, they're like, well, then you're always left with that scar there from a cesarean. You have to recover from the cesarean. I feel like you it's torture to, though for someone oh, like I, yourself to well, go through that entire journey and then be made to give birth like for me birth is I was gonna say can be torturous enough but I no for me birth is like because I'm like Sophie I get sick until the end so for me birth is like this is it and we have an outcome you know like my outcome is my baby so for you to have to do this with no outcome yeah is torture and knowing while you're doing it that I I just honestly I know and I had Dash cesarean, so I didn't actually know what labour felt like. Labour was oh. all new to me. So that actually scared me in itself because I was like, I've never actually been through labour. I didn't know what labour pain because I remember when I started getting really bad cramping that was coming and going in waves, ringing my doctor saying, is this labour? Is this? Am I starting to go into labour? And... So, but there, there is that option. I know there is that option to have a cesarean, but I did, my doctor did basically talk me out of it. And, and you I were happy? Did. Well, I just, I remember just thinking, I've just got to do this. Like I, you know, I can't hide or run away and run away with my baby and my tummy. This isn't, you know, physically it's, I am going to go into yeah. labour. I remember speaking to my doctor. He said, let's just, you know, go, you know, stay at home that night. I was in quite a bit of pain that afternoon though and he said, come in first thing in the morning. Um, And I remember ringing back later that afternoon saying, I don't want to be at home tonight. If something happens, if I go into full-blown labour, I can't be at home having this happen no. you know I don't want Dash to be no. here if I was to actually deliver 
Like I need, and I said to him, can I come up? He's absolutely get up here now. Um, yeah, and I remember checking in and going into the room and the nurses kind of coming in and dosing me up, basically saying have as much as painkiller as you want, you know, and a beautiful lady, a beautiful nurse saying, you know, tomorrow's going to be awful, so let's just have as much as you want tonight. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I laid in bed. It was State of Origin, I remember, because EJ is a huge football fan and he watched State of Origin while I laid in bed. It was a good distraction. Well, yeah, I kind of just lay there numb. I just, I was terrified. I didn't know what to expect the next day. But How was he through this? He was good. He's so strong. He's not the most overly emotional man. Um, he, 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 he has his moments, but he was really strong. Like he was just my rock. Yeah. He was there. I knew he was there. I knew he was gonna. How old was Dash by this point? Dash was four, five. Dash would have been five. And what was his understanding of it? He knew the baby had died. He knew I was going to the hospital to have the baby. He knew the baby wasn't going to come home. He was really, you know, quite distraught. He's a really, really emotional mm. child too. He's a real little feeler. But he's mature. He's but mature, he's quite mature. But very so I think yeah. he was. I remember him. He was very upset about the fact that he wasn't going to have his brother, but he was so concerned for me. Like oh I could God. tell when I left to go to the hospital, he was really worried about me. And if I was going to be okay. Yeah. So, and it's really hard. I mean, I'll get to that with grief, like dealing with helping your child deal with grief too because he lost something as well that he really, really wanted. So. So the next day. Yeah, so the next day I woke up. I remember they came in really early in the morning um, because I was quite a lot of pain. Um. And that was it. The doctor induced me quite early. I think it was about 8, 8 o'clock in the morning. Beautiful midwife came in that was going to spend the whole day with us. Good. She basically sat down and held my hand, held EJ's hand and said, this is going to be the worst day of your life, um, but you're going to get through it. I'm here. I'm here to answer any questions, do anything for you, help you guys. Um, and there were so many questions I had to answer. Like there was a lot of decisions we had to make that, I, you know, that day that we, you know, you just don't know. You would never imagine. I Can was, I ask like what, what kind of things do you mean? Like with the, you know, funeral. Oh, you of know, course, We had yeah. to make decisions like, you know about your child like yeah you know did we want to stay all day with the baby did I want to see the baby there's a photographer here ready to take photos so intense isn't it and the baby you know you're okay with that do you want that I didn't know I actually looked Kate the midwife and said do I want to meet my baby is this something that's going to scar me forever is it going to scar me forever if I don't should I get photos? I can't imagine having anyone in this room taking photos in this time. Yeah. But is this something that I'm going to want to look back on in years to come? Oh, there was just so many, you yeah. know, and I 
said that to her, I was like, how long's the labour going to be? Is, am I going to be in pain? Like just so many questions I didn't know, you know. And was it all right to not know? Like did you say, I don't know if I want a photographer and I don't know yeah, if I want to see I remember until looking at EJ thinking and asking him, like, I don't know, should we? Should we meet? And, you know, Kate was really good in her. She kept saying, I think you know, you should do this, you should do that, or it might, you know. So, and giving other examples. So she'd obviously been through mm. this with a lot of people. She was... And I guess there's never one right or wrong answer. No. And that's the thing. She, all she could probably say is, well, people tend to yeah. prefer to do this. Yeah, or, and I thought, yeah. I was like, what if I don't meet him and then the rest of my life I regret giving birth to him and not actually meeting. So it was, it was a lot, but I was in so much shock and so um, I was just on this, you know, emotional roller coaster. I didn't know, you know, what the right or wrong thing to do was. I just, you know, Kate really was my, Kate, what do you think mm-hmm. kind of person. So I'm glad she made all the right decisions for me because everything that, we did do now. I'm glad we did looking back. And so did they, like, did you have, like, an epidural so you didn't have to feel Yeah, so it? Well, they bought in um, the anaesthetist. Anaesthetist. <laughs> Sorry, I can never pronounce anaesthetist. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he got me ready for an epidural um, and then they induced me. So I took a tablet orally and the doctor also put a tablet in my cervix. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically said this was going to, I'd take all day. It would right. just be a really slow labour. It would gradually get worse. He said you'll probably deliver this afternoon, you know. Um, so the anaesthetist got my little, mm. you know, thing ready to put in the epidural and left. And I think within 10, 15 minutes of being induced, I was bent over in full-blown labour. Like I was in so much pain I was actually coming in and out of consciousness. Like oh I was so. And you didn't have the epidural at the time because it. it wasn't time. No, and they had called, they basically called him back and said, you need to like straight get in away. here. Yeah. Um, and before he even got there, I was literally in full-blown, like I had actually delivered before he even got back. So I didn't actually get to have the epidural. Um, so from the time I got induced, I had actually delivered, I'd given birth like 45 minutes later. So it was the oh most intense goodness. 45 minutes. No one could ever prepared me for the pain of that labour. When it goes that fast. When it it just, because EJ actually, I, I remember looking at him at one point and he looked terrified. So whatever state that he was sending yeah. me. But I remember passing out. And just coming to and then just being in full-blown pain again. And the thought, like, I was actually, yeah, quite crazy, I think. The thoughts going through my head at that time, I was, yeah. Oh, aren't we all, let alone in your situation? I don't think you're crazy. No. No. So happened very quickly, which I think was a blessing that I didn't have to go through a whole day of labor. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it happened within an hour. Like he was born at nine twenty-five. Wow. So 
Yeah. And you put him in your arms? I did. I remember Kate had left the room when I was in. She left the room to find out where the anesthetist was. Um, and when she walked out, I had actually looked down and I could see his little feet. And I grabbed EJ and EJ was like, oh, babe, his feet, he's here. Um, and he was yelling out to Kate to come back in. Um, so, yeah, she came back in and she sort of delivered him um, and wrapped him up. Can I ask how big he was? He was only 190 grams. So like he size of was, hand. yeah, he was about, yeah, mm-hmm. would sit in my one, one more palm. Wow. Tiny. Wow. Like a, but a, like a little, little baby. Tiny little baby. But a tiny baby with perfect little fingers, oh, perfect little toes. So Kate wrapped him up and said, I'm just going to, like, I'm going to clean him up. Dr. Dunn's on his way in. So doctor, my doctor had run him, like, she had already delivered him. Um, I think, I can't remember, but I'd birthed the placenta pretty much straight away. Um, you throw that against the wall? <sighs> Should have. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, the next minute Kate came in and said, do you want to meet your son? So we, oh, you just can't ever prepare yourself for the moment that you're going to hold your baby in your arms, lifeless. And I even, during labour, actually, when I say I was crazy, I had this crazy thought that as soon as he sat on my chest. I knew you were going to say that. As I would have been thinking the exact same thing. I just, and then I look back now, I think, oh, my God, I was a crazy mum. But I actually thought, no, I'll get him on my chest He's going to feel how much he's wanted, how much he's loved, and he's going to be fine. Like, he's actually not, he's not, he won't be dead. That was the thought that I actually had. And by the time that he came in, it sort of hit home that, yeah, no, he's gone. This is, yeah, this is it. Um, That's not crazy, though, because if I was in that exact situation, as soon as I'd given birth, I would be like, just check him. Like, I think I he's like, going to be fine. Like, just yeah. check him. Yeah, and I, I feel like if be... your body is doing this natural process, y- y- your mind would be thinking, oh, no, he is alive. Like, yeah. there, there is going to be an outcome. Yeah. We're all going to be shocked. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I really actually, I don't know, maybe I was in so much shock. That was the only thing that got me through that birth and giving birth to him. But, yeah, we held him. I actually did not want to let him go. I, we sat in bed with him for, I think, most of the day. Um, the photographer did come in and take photos. She also took photos of him outside, like of his little feet and hands and, oh, yeah. And, yeah, it was awful. Probably still or the most awful day of my life. Yeah. Very sad day for us as a family. Yeah. Did Dash meet him? No. No. That was also one of the questions. Did we want Dash to come up and meet him? I actually felt it would be very traumatic for him to see him that little and 
as it, as it was for us. Yeah. Like that's, that's something that always sticks in my mind. He was way too little. Yeah. Um, so did you have, like, for the grieving process, did you have counselling or how did you, how did you, yeah, how did Live. you go? On? Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> like, how did you? Yeah. What happened? What? So, how did you go every day? Going all right. So you know, it's a new day. What's the, what was your method? What was your way of coping? Um, when we left that afternoon, my midwife gave me a counsellor business card, and she said to me, do yourself a favour, ring her tomorrow, make an appointment next week, you need to see her as soon as possible. She was a grief counsellor, but she specialised in pregnancy loss. Um, so I did, I actually, I rang her and made an appointment with her. Funnily enough, she ended up being the same counsellor of a really good friend of mine who went through something similar years and years and years prior which I didn't know at the time till after I started seeing her. So she, yeah, she was amazing. She was, yeah, definitely one of the only reasons I survived mm. that. She was amazing. She, well, she basically made me understand the grief process. I'd never lost anyone close to me before, had no idea my first meeting with her, she basically explained everything that I was feeling. Well, and without you having to say anything. Yeah, and it, and it made me think, okay, you know what, I'm not going crazy. This is this is grief. Um, I am going through the motions. And what were your main feelings, like mainly sadness or like yeah. anger or? Yeah, a lot of sadness. Yeah. Anger, I I would beat myself up like it was my fault, you know, that I couldn't carry the pregnancy. Oh, I, yeah, anger. It's so many different and it would just chop and change at any given moment of the day. I would, yeah, I'd be fine one minute and I'd be, there'd be a lot of triggers too if I'd see a pregnant lady or i hear mm. a baby cry or um. Yeah, just so many. Did you find comfort in knowing that when she sat down and gave you this little um, guideline of your emotions, did that give you a sense of, um, I don't know. Like normality. Yeah, normality, knowing that, you know what, this is what everybody goes through when they go through this traumatic time so I'm going to understand that the next step's this and then the next step's that and did that make you feel like you could come out of this um I guess you know okay yeah yeah, yeah. definitely I did look at it because you know it was almost like a map of yeah like it was a little circle of all the different yeah. so I did and she explained that to me. She said, you will, you know, you might go through five different emotions in a day. So it did make me feel like this is this is normal, exactly what I'm feeling. What and I'm how, going was, through. how was your relationship in this time with yeah, each other? It was really good. We were really rock solid. I think you can't possibly go through something like that together and not, you know, 
I think EJ deals with things very differently to what I do. He went straight back to work, which he has to do, and I understand that. And, you know, I just did my thing. I also had to sort of help dash through his mm, I was going to say, how do you mother? Well, I feel like he was what got me through. Yeah. If I didn't have dad, I mean, I, I think of the, the mums that come home from hospital like I did with a box, like, you know, I got wheeled out to the car with a box of, mm. you know, a teddy bear and, a, you know, when you don't get to take your baby home. I had a baby at home waiting for yeah. me. He was my reason. I pulled myself out of bed in the morning was, mm. you know, for him. And I knew that, you know, I had to be strong for him. There was days where, oh, the shower was like my my space, as soon as I would hop in the shower morning and night, I would literally sob. Like yeah. I would just rain, like I tears. I would yeah. cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. And I'd do that in the morning and then I'd get out and I'd get dressed and, you know, I'd go on to being a mom, and, you know, I tried to go back to normal life. You know, and I did a few different things that I'd never done before that I thought might help, which did um, really help me out. But, yeah, it was hard. My counsellor really was, yeah, probably the best thing, best person that mm. I had around me. Mm. She was amazing. Can I ask, when, after this had happened, for Someone to look at you, were you obviously not pregnant anymore? Yeah, so I was obviously looking very pregnant and this happened during school holidays so I had to take that dash back to school. Because mm. I just couldn't imagine that all of a sudden yeah. being like, yeah. oh, no, not so that's, anymore. That's, yeah, that's where it the was social really side. Of the social side was probably the hardest. Yeah. I, I walked dash back into school you know, two weeks later and a mum came straight up to me and rubbed my tummy and said, how are you feeling? Because she knew I was pregnant. Yeah. And she knew, you know, and she looked at me straight away and her face just dropped because oh. there was no tummy. And she was like, what happened? And, you know, I was like, oh, you know, we lost. A lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot has happened in our school holidays. And, yeah. You know. So, and then I did see a lot of people that hadn't seen me or didn't know that, yeah. Do you Did you find that people, because they didn't know how to respond to your situation, avoid you? Some people did. I have an amazing community of mums around me. So I was flooded with text messages um, you know, there was not one day in like a month that I didn't have a bunch of flowers at my door oh, or something good. cooked or baked for me. Good. I had, you know, oils delivered in my mailbox, books, just oh, just so much. There, every day Support. was uh, something that got me through and, yeah, I, yeah, it was a lot of support around me. I'm very lucky to have some very beautiful friends. So, 
they kind of, I think, also amongst them sort of spread the word as well because they didn't want me you to be... You almost need that, don't you? ...overwhelmed yeah. with, you know, people not knowing. But if you... If, sorry, if someone... Because, yeah, if you have... Like, what would you prefer? If people... They're not your close friends, but they see you at school. Would you want them to come up to you and say, I'm so sorry for your loss? Or would you prefer them to just keep their distance and be like, oh, you know, like what what would be the better way for people to understand this time in your life and how to respond with it? See, yeah, I see I found that really different on a daily basis. Like I would appreciate people coming up to say, I'm so sorry, but if I was having a day where mm. I just couldn't deal with that, that would be a trigger for me mm. to. Yeah. It and that was that was the hardest thing about grief. I didn't understand. I didn't. I couldn't even understand myself at the point. Yeah. That, you know, I the way that I would react to things was so unlike me. Like, you know, I one of my really good friends told me she was pregnant. Like not even I think a week or two after and I and like I'm the the happiest person for anyone that's got happy news like if you're something amazing is happening in your life I am just the happiest person for you but you know even that like I wasn't happy for people who are pregnant I would look at women with pregnant bellies and be like almost hateful and that is just not me that I felt like process of grief but I feel yeah Yeah. and it would be like I wasn't happy for anyone that was pregnant around me at the time because I wanted to be pregnant I was pregnant I it and it was awful I felt so awful to feel like that because that's not who I am I'm yeah, so I struggled with that as well. I didn't want to be that person, but and I knew it was just me grieving, losing what I wanted so badly, you know, and why does everyone else get to have what I want, you know, and having those thoughts was, mm. it was, I found that really hard to deal with on a daily because I'm not that type of person. It's like a cat chasing its tail, isn't it? You, yeah. you think that thought and then you feel bad for feel, feeling that way and then you just keep going around in circles and you start feeling just crap. So Yeah, yeah and I did. I, I, felt, I felt exactly like that um, when we had our miscarriage, when we were in the ultrasound place. I would look around the waiting room and I would be like, well, that couple doesn't look healthy. Why do they, you know, yeah. and like have these yeah. thoughts that are not things that I would normally think. I think it's everyone is entitled to start a family. But I would sit there and I would go, well, Nick and I are healthy and this happened to us, but like those people clearly aren't healthy and yeah. they're pregnant mm-hmm. and, oh, why do they, they've already got that many kids, why do they get to be yep. pregnant? That's and true. it's the, it's awful but the thoughts, the thoughts are, and all of a sudden, yeah, when someone posts a, picture on Instagram or something pregnant I was like no why do why do you <laughs> yeah. get to yeah yeah and that, that was another thing I, I also I remember because I'm on Instagram and I have so many friends that I don't see on a daily or weekly or monthly you know your mm. you know Instagram friends that knew we were pregnant I just posted like a week prior like a video of us popping a balloon announcing oh, we're having fuck. a boy do I announce his birth now? Like I remember saying to one of my really be- really good best friends, um, I kind of started going back to the gym with her. I was on the treadmill with her and I was like, 
what do I do? Do I announce his birth? Like people people are going to expect an announcement in another 20, 20 weeks, weeks time. Yeah. And when it doesn't come or they see a picture of me looking with no baby, baby. I'm going to get a lot of but questions. But you know what? I think with that, the last, you know, with the time that you're going through, the last thing that matters on this earth is social media. Yes. And when there comes a time in your life when you've actually gotten to the point of going, you know, I've got this now, I'm content to actually share, you know, I guess with the grief part and I've actually never been, well, I actually have, I've, I know this sounds really stupid but it's not I lost my dog and he was a dog I had to get rid of a serious breakup and he passed away in surgery long story short that's the only grief I've ever had and gone through and I feel like when you get to the end of that positive chapter you have a much better way of delivering and processing your thoughts and sharing your your story of that time with your son yeah so you know you get to you know that time in your life and you can then go well I'm going to share it and celebrate him and I'm going to post that and let everyone know he was beautiful and he you know, came mm. at this time. Yeah, which is exactly what happened. Mm. I was, I think, a month. It was four weeks after. I remember saying to my friend, I've, I've just put up his birth announcement on Instagram to say, you know, how much he weighed, what time he was born. Because you were ready. Yeah, and I was ready then. I was actually ready to, yeah. Have that conversation with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was. So, and do you feel like because I was going to ask, was there a specific kind of turning point in your grief? Um, like, do you think it was a month down the track? Do you think it was? I feel or do you... no, not a turning point. I feel I look back now. I think those first few weeks were a blur. Yeah. We had to organise, you know, his coffin, whether to cremate him. Um, you know, we got all the photos delivered. I didn't realise there's all these organisations that actually send you, you know, stillbirth boxes full of bears and all, you know, I ended up with a room full of. Is that coincidental that his name was Bear? No, Bear was the name Dash used to call him when he was in my belly oh. and Dash loved the name Bear and I used to actually love the I name Bear. Yeah, it's Bear. gorgeous. Um, so I remember when we were holding him in hospital, I remember looking to EJ and Kate said, you know, do you want to name him now? I remember we, I think we'd been sitting there with him in his our arms for quite some time and Kate was like, would you like to name him? Like, if, you know, he needs a name. Like, what do you want to name him? And I remember EJ saying, yeah, he's Bear. He's like, he's Bear. Yeah. And, yeah, it just seemed like it suited him too. He was mm. like a little bear. And Dash loved that name. Um, so, yeah, he was Bear. I love that name as a name full stop, like for a yeah. nickname of the belly to yeah. the actual adult. Yeah. 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 So, but turning point in the grief, I mean, those first few weeks afterwards, we had a lot of really awful decisions to make. Yeah. You know, 
the day we got his ashes, the day the photos arrived from hospital in a little case. Um, they also took little hand and feet prints of him and put it in like a glass frame. This beautiful few companies that do this all, you know, it's a charity. Yeah. So things just kept arriving of him. So we were working through our grief and then, you know, we'd get mm. the ashes and then I'd fall to pieces. And Yeah. You know, so. And I'm sure there are things now you're glad you have. So but at glad. the time it's almost like, oh, could someone have just held on to them for but you got, there's got to be a time where you have to address to be, it. Yeah. So you, you may yeah. as well do it in the time where as hard as it is. I think so. I feel yeah. like I could have hung on to those photos and not looked at them till years down the track. But, you mean, it's going to hit me like a ton of bricks here years yeah. down the track. And, you know, but so we just, and it's the, oh, the thing that I used to hate the most when people say would say to me, time heals everything. Oh, fuck. But it, it 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 really I know why people say it now because it you know there was a lot of things people used to say to me at the time and some used to drive me up the wall others you know but the time heals everything I think that's is, something that we like like it's good to know but I don't think it's something that you need to say to someone no because it doesn't help no but like, do you mean now you do believe it but at the time it didn't help to no. hear it is that what you hearing mean? time heals everything at that time it's time for me was going so slow mm. I was stuck in this Dark. So if the only thing that's going to heal it is time, you're like, well, time can is going backwards. Yes. Because, so you, that's not helping you feel any better. Fast forward button, please. But it's it is so true. It, I mean, weeks, months. I remember ringing the IVF clinic two weeks after I had given birth to Bear and said to the lady, "Can you destroy all the embryos in the really? freezer? I do not want to be pregnant." This was on an angry day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never want to be pregnant again. I'm never going to go through that. And she was, you know, okay, we'll just, I'll have to send you out some paperwork. You have to sign, this is all legal documents. Maybe, you know, maybe call me back in a week, think about me. And I think, I look back now and I think, oh, my God, why did I do that? Like, when I was why? angry, yeah. I... I was well, I'm glad she was clued on and didn't <laughs> do no. that. Yeah. Yeah. So these, I look back now, I think, wow, I must have been so, so fearful of being pregnant again or, you know, I wanted to just get rid of those embryos. So I never thought of that again. So I was never in this position ever again. I'm never going to be pregnant. I could never lose a baby. So the, so the, I mean, I know, like, I think there's always going to be a, a, extended extended part of grief forever in terms of that part of your life but how long for you did that period the heavy period last Uh, definitely I would say three to six months yeah Yeah. I three months in a very dark place yeah majority of the time I would go out and I'd put on you know a performance for everyone I'd be fine I'd go to the gym I'd come home and cry my eyes out like I did I did just go on with life and especially Dash went back to school so I had to go to school I had to do the school stuff you know I had to you know so I felt like I slowly kind of 
came out of it just before Christmas. So he was born in July. Mm. I remember it would have been about October, November because I remember coming into Christmas thinking I just woke up one morning and thought, no, I want more kids. I I will go through whatever I have to go through yeah. to get more. I'm not going to give up. This is I've got five embryos in the freezer. Mm-hmm. This is not going to ever happen to me again. You know, surely I I could not get put through. That was my my thing. I thought no, no woman could ever get put through this twice. Mm. Like I've been to hell and back. It's we're we're only we're on the way up now. Like that was that was the worst thing we could ever go through. That's not going to happen again. So let's talk about on the way up. So, well, it was. I I feel like you deserve to talk about. It was November. I remember I'm going to eat some croissant while we talk (laughs) about the way up. I did have to go back to my doctor and hospital shortly, was probably a month after I had Bear. And at that point I must have been having a really strong day because I thought it was going to be fine for me to go by myself to this appointment. Um. EJ was at work and I thought, no, I'll be fine. And I remember walking into the hospital and just the smell of the car park, the hospital. Is it the same hospital that you? Yeah. yeah okay. And yeah. I, I, I don't know what, I had a reaction. My body basically, I, I don't know whether I had a panic attack or I had anxiety or whatever, but I just reacted. could not be there. I reacted. And I remember saying to my doctor in the appointment, I'm I I can't come to this hospital anymore. I can't see you. I I need to start start again. I need another yeah. And I said to him, I want to see you, but you know, unless you can see me in another hospital, which you couldn't. I'm yeah. And he was like, you just go think about it. I'll tell you, you know, some names of you know down your way doctors to go see. So I remember in November making an appointment with a new doctor that a lot of people I knew had gone to seeing, said he was fantastic. He actually worked through the same IVF clinic, so I'd heard of him before anyway. New hospital, went and saw him, told him my whole history. My doctor had actually sent through, so he was aware of everything. He was so empathetic to what had happened to us and he was very positive about, you know, the future IVF, you know, so we decided to do another round. So it was a few weeks before Christmas, I think beginning of December, um, put another embryo in. That one didn't take. So I think it was like three days before Christmas we got the negative. Oh, damn. Which was like, oh, you know, it wasn't the best Christmas yeah. present. But, you know, we got through Christmas, New Year's, and then we thought, all right, during that, when he put the frozen embryo in, he said he actually found a polyp on my cervix and he said to me before we do the next embryo transfer in January, just come in like a few days after New Year's and we'll just remove that polyp in the surgery. Now, polyps, are they, like I think I have one, but are they those really hard balls that you get and they're just like cysts, like benign cysts? Yeah. Where is yours? <laughs> Do you want me to show you? <laughs> Just no, it. you can explain it to me. Then. Well, oh no, I don't really want the whole 
Okay. Podcast world to know where my are. But clearly they're in my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, they're like proxy. The more yeah. pregnancies I have, the more I get. Okay. So they said one is in my cervix. Yep. And then I've got one in the side wall. I thought they were generally soft. I don't know about them being hard. I don't know. Maybe. I think, I think they can be quite varied. Hard as rock. I think he, yeah, I think mine was too. I'm pretty sure he said it was just like a really hard little mm. piece size. Yep. Ball. Mm. Yeah. But he just literally. But why does he want, why did he want to remove that? Is that obstructing? I think it may have been for him to want to take it out. I think he said before the next embryo transfer, I just want to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. So. Was that a operation? Mine and I just went in. It was just in his surgery, like just like having a pap smear. Okay. Didn't feel it yep. really, a little yeah. pinch, but that was basically it. Yeah. Um, and maybe in another situation he would have left it, but maybe he was like, let's just properly make sure that everything is. Yeah. yeah, so he was yeah. really thorough. He was fantastic. So put another embryo in in January. So now we're, we're down to four, aren't we? So, oh. yep, so Bear was first embryo. We The second one didn't take, so this is our third embryo. Yep. So put third embryo in and I was actually laying in bed a week after. A week after. I think we did the embryo transfer on the Friday. It was like the Friday the week after. And I was just, I just woke up and I remember saying to Dash, oh, I think, I think, I'm pregnant. I think the embryo's worked. <laughs> and I remember peeing on a stick and thinking, it's only a week. Surely it's going to come back negative, but it came back positive. <gasps> so I was over the moon. Like, we, I was just over the moon, so excited, terrified as well, just, but just, okay, this is it. This is, everything's going to be fine. We're pregnant. This is our year, 2018. This is it. Um, yeah. But then became really sick really quick so I had really bad I was never diagnosed with hyperemesis with either dash or bear but threw up pretty much 24 7 right till late stages of pregnancy but, yeah that's how pregnancy yeah. <laughs> yeah. well I never that seems to be a theme in this room yeah I know and how many have you got hyperemesis you can be on the show I had to I had to be on medication every day to just not vomit and to, yeah. you know. Did you have the wafer? Yeah, the yeah. wafers. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 you, so you came and took the rest of my packet of wafers, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my leftover wafers. I called her in a desperate state <laughs> once being like, please tell me you have some leftover. Oh, yeah. The joy of that feeling not. No, that hang, oh, it's like being hungover all day, every day, with knowing day. that the next day after hangover with, you're not going to wake up. With children to look after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's awful. But, but, but having said that, I was stoked mm. to be vomiting all day. Mm. Because <laughs> you knew that it so, was okay. Yeah. And everything was good. Everything was fine. I was quite sick. No bleeding? No bleeding. I had to do blood tests like three weeks later to like the IVF clinic had sent me for a blood test. I already knew I was pregnant, but I didn't tell them that I did the pills. So scene. what did you go when they told you? Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, did the what same. a shock. <laughs> no, I actually remember saying to her, that's all I was. Um, and she said to me, yeah, your hormone levels have come back really high. So you're definitely pregnant. Everything's great. You're all good. Um, yeah. And then... I would have been only would have only been five oh six oh six weeks, so it would have only been like three weeks later. 
I went in hospital really bad. I thought I had the flu, really, really sick, like quite fevers, really, really, really sick. So Harvey took me up to um, emergency. My dash was with us as well, actually. And because I was pregnant and because of what had happened with Bear, I was quite scared. I didn't mm. want to have high fevers, have, you know, a virus or a flu. So they checked me. Everything was fine. They said to they were going to send me for a scan just mm. to make sure the baby's heartbeat was fine and the baby was fine. Um, and they sent me off for an ultrasound. And the lady that was ultrasounding me, said to me she was just going to check the fetus, make sure everything's fine. She did the ultrasound and she's like, okay, fetus number one is fine. Wait, what? And I was like, what? What do you mean? And she was like, oh, you're having twins. Did you not know? I was like, what? <laughs> Burst <laughs> out crying, like sobbing, hysterical. No wonder your hormone levels were so <laughs> yeah, high and so sick. Weeks. Scan, did the other scan. She said, yep, fetus number two, heartbeat's completely fine. Everything's fine. So at this point I was I was sobbing hysterically. She didn't understand why, like, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, like happy sobbing, shock happy, sobbing. Happy sobbing, shock sobbing, terrified. Now not only do I have yeah. to get one baby safely through a pregnancy, two twin pregnancies are high risk, like just yeah. holy shit. Um and they, she wheeled me back out to emergency and Dash and EJ were sitting there waiting Oh, so they me. didn't know? No. So I had obviously been sobbing, still crying, completely oh, speechless, fuck. and they wheeled the bed in and Dash, as he does at the top of his lungs, yells out, oh, no, mummy, the baby died again. Oh. And looks like he's about to start crying. Um, and I could tell EJ's eyes sort of starting to well up and... I didn't say anything because I think I, I don't know whether I was just I also had a raging fever and was delirious from the virus that I had um and the lady had said no 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 no, everything's fine she's having twins so Dash squealed so loudly and started jumping up and down and EJ was I think still in shock still in shock again <laughs> with yeah, a big smile on his face and that was how we found out, yeah, we're having twins. So, yeah, so uh, well, we didn't find out what sex we were having. So doctor, our doctor, because we had one embryo put in, had said the embryo had split, so we're either having identical girls or identical boys. Wow. So yeah. hang on, how do you know that it's split? Oh, yeah, well, because well, if you have you've got so, twins. Yeah, you've yes. got twins, so <laughs> it's you know it's split. split. So if you've only had one put embryo in, put in, then it's going to split to get twins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's in like some places to oh, increase your chance okay. of getting pregnant from IVF might put two in. So you knew they were going to be identical. So, like, Octo Mum, I think she had, like, five put in or yeah. something and Let's then multiple of them split. Which I think a lot of doctors don't want to put. Well, you don't no, want quadruplets, do you, really? I think, and I think she, that embryos from IVF are more likely, likely to, to split, split than natural. Like, you're more yeah. likely to have multiples if you do IVF yeah. than from naturally conceiving. Yeah. Yeah. I've always heard that too. Mm. Yeah. So that's twins. That's how. Oh, no. And then when you had twins. We didn't find out what sex they were. 
So we were either identical boys, identical girls. And I said to my doctor, I don't want to know. Don't care. Don't like care. You do, but... um, yeah, don't care. Yeah. I just, we just wanted a surprise. It was just, I want to get these, both these babies yeah. safely to the end of this pregnancy. And he had said to me, look, I won't look so I don't slip up. Um, did they make you, sorry, did they make you go on bed rest or be monitored yes. closely? Yeah, yeah, I was classed as high risk. Yeah. Because of also what had happened to Bear, but mm. twin pregnancy mm. as well. Um, so I did have more appointments with him, more scans, mm-hmm. um, and he did sort of, yeah, I didn't do as much. Mm. I definitely took it a lot easier this pregnancy, mm. that pregnancy mm. to the prior ones. So, um, yeah, and then so on the day of birth <laughs> when I went in for a cesarean, um, Gigi came out first, so we assumed we were having twin girls and then Jet came out, it was a boy, um, and my doctor had said, okay, now this is really going to blow your mind. Wait, what? One of them is an embryo and one is a natural conception, so... We were pregnant with one of the babies, would have been four days. naturally. Naturally. And that one. And when they put the embryo in, we would have just conceived. Oh, my Lord. How's that for a story? So they're a naughty couple that have sex (laughs) when they're told not to have sex. So we were told, yeah, so you're not supposed to, when you do IVF, you're not supposed to have have sex sex prior to an embryo transfer, even though... Oh, and look, we had been tried, you know. We I know. Tried. So you were Naturally like, oh, forever. God. And funnily enough, it was the one weekend that we were horny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that no, was what we were just to say. weren't trying yeah. to get pregnant. We were just. Don't they and you say know that's what? always the way? Really, yeah. We were really in a happy place. I think we were really excited about the you know, putting an embryo in the next week, the beginning of the year. We just had a really nice Christmas holiday. Oh, that is that year was behind you. That year was behind us. Yeah. Totally. I feel like January clicked over and it was like a fresh start, new year. So do you know who, you'll never know who's your natural miracle and which one's your? No, we never, well, the paediatrician has his theories. He did in hospital, kind of made us laugh a bit. Go on, um, we want to know. <laughs> I don't think there's any way that you can. But know. I don't think. I think, well, Jet was bigger in the womb and now Gigi was a lot littler. Um, so his theory was the embryo was more developed when it went in. Uh, Gigi would have only just been conceived. So Jet was the embryo and Gigi was the natural. But And he also said. <laughs> How good are those names as well? <laughs> oh, so good. He also said once at one of the appointments, he said, oh, embryos are really good-looking, Jet's the better-looking twin. (laughs) And I was like, oh, Gigi, poor thing. She looks like me, I think. Jet looks like Is that true? So you you both have like a mini clone of each other? Yeah, Gigi's a mini me when I was a baby. What's your Instagram account? Um, Lily Varley. We'll, we'll write it down at the end, but I just want to check it out. We can we'll um, share a picture of all of them on our own one. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so I just. They're both ridiculously good looking. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, oh, thanks. I don't. And how, so can we go one step further <laughs> and ask how your journey of breastfeeding two babies at the same time yes. plus having 
Oh, well, he, how old was he? Dash was seven. Dash was, okay, yeah. But still, how was this? It was hard. Breastfeeding twins, different ball game. Yeah. I breastfed Dash till he was two and a half, nearly three. He would not stop, stop breastfeeding. I actually tried to wean him so many times. Um, he was just... Lily tells this story that Lil would get home from work and, like, Dash would greet her boobs before he'd <laughs> greet her. And she's mommy, like, oh, the boo-boos are home. <laughs> and Lil was like, ah. <laughs> So, yeah, breastfeeding twins so much harder because also as soon as they were born, they both went into the NICU. Yeah. Um, Jet had water on his lungs um, and my milk actually didn't come in until I think day four. So we had to actually start them on, Mm. I had a bit of colostrum, but start them actually on formula, which, you know, I didn't care about at the time. I just wanted fed his best. I was always like that. Any, that's my opinion. Yeah. Anyway, I did want to breastfeed them, but I, I think after what I'd been through, yeah, I'm not caught up in it. I'm not caught up in anything. Whatever the doctors said, the nurses said, whatever was best was best. I just went along with it. So, they started on formula, and as soon as my milk came in, we put them back on the breast milk. But they would have a mixture of breast milk Perfect. and formula, and I kept doing that as long as I could. So I would feed them both breast always before and just top them up with formula. Yeah. Um, until it got to a point where they were physically, so in the middle of the night, me sitting on the chair with two tiny newborns time. and placing them yeah. was a lot easier. But then when it got to a point where they were three months old and, you know, it was. And you would need help. Like quite fit. Yeah, I, there was some times where I would need, I would actually text EJ in the middle of the night and say, I actually need you to help me yeah. place them. Like, yeah. help help me out tonight. And did you try to feed them at the same time? I always or? tried to put them on at the same time. Yeah. Right. Same time. I just felt like it was if I breastfed one and left one there. Oh, God, yeah. It was a lot hard, more time-consuming. At the, That's all I felt like I did was breastfeed, bottle. Well, I feel like when, you, when you've got one child and you're breastfeeding, like at the start it takes them an hour to feed and if they're waking up every three hours, that's like yeah. two like two hours max between the end of a feed and the start of a new one. So if you're starting to feed a whole other human after it, like that <laughs> simple maths tells you yeah. that's not a lot of Did time. you have a lot of support like with family and friends? at this time uh not too much but yeah definitely I did have I had yeah a few family members around at the time Mm -hmm. friends all my friends were fantastic Mm -hmm. once again I don't think we didn't have a plate of food or container of food at our front door for a month or two afterwards I had people dropping off everything Sophie was one of them I remember your balls Wow, (laughs) Sophie, I haven't had your balls. No one sees or tastes my balls and ever forgets them. Do Um, you have to have twins to get your balls? Yeah, sorry, you're going to have to go again for number four and five. No, it was good. So I didn't feel like I was doing a lot of the cooking because we had our friends really. And your your house was a mess, wasn't it? It was dirty. Yeah. No, her house. So dirty. Her house is never a mess. (sighs) I'm... 
Yeah, I've, I have OCD. <laughs> so do I. It's one of those. Now I don't. I just can't. I thought I would have let go of that after having the twins. But it, it, was there anything that um, has like that you don't feel like was discussed before that has really surprised you about having twins? No, I, I just, you know what, after what we went through with Bear, I just, even the hardest days, the hardest nights with the twins. They're your babies. They just weren't, it, it just was never as hard as what we went through. Even now when yeah. I have days with the three kids where I lock myself in the pantry yeah. and, you know, from them for a moment and a breather, it's never as bad and I've always, it's probably the silver lining in going through what we went through is I tried for so long to have these babies. I went, yeah, went to hell and back. Like I, I, and I knew twins were going to be hard, but I still feel like I was gifted the twins. Like no, not them replacing Bear, but I feel so lucky to mm. have them. And there were so many moments in my journey to become a mum that I thought I was never going to have any more kids. Dash was it. Mm. And I would have always my whole life have always yearned for more children if I didn't. So I just feel so lucky to have, yeah, been given twins. Can I say one thing that's unexpected as being your friend? Yeah. Is the really awful comments people make. <laughs> and I would like to put out <laughs> some advice to the podcast line. When, even if you don't mean it, like we would go on walks all the time because Poppy would have been, so they're September, yeah. so six months-ish when they were born. People stop and go, oh, my goodness, you poor thing. <gasps> oh, you poor yeah. thing. I Why would? All it's the older time. people, isn't it's it? It's often older people. Or and if you see someone in the shopping mall with twins, don't stop them and start telling them about like your cousin who had <laughs> twins, or like my friend's aunt Martha had twins, and oh, one's a girl and a boy. Uh, one's a girl, one's a boy. Are they identical? They can't be identical. <laughs> one has a vagina and one has a penis to start with. Like Lily would go to the shops and it would take her like three hours to go to the shops because she would be stopped by every second person telling them about their distant relative that had a freaking twin. Oh, wow. And I would feel so sorry for her. I'm like, taking twins out to the shops is hard enough. Oh, well, is that? Yeah. I so that's my advice to everyone out there. That was, yeah, one thing I, I could not believe the fascination people have with twins. Not so much now. I don't get it as much now, but when they were both babies, like newborns, if I was out and about. But, yeah, definitely a lot of negative comments too, like, you poor thing, how do you do that? I'd die, I'd kill myself if I had twins. A lot. There's, oh, a, bun- there's a bunch of morons out and there. And Lil yeah, would just be I like, mean, if you'd known what I went through to have these yeah, babies. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I would say, if, yeah, if only you knew. Um, <laughs> I have a question. Mm-hmm. It might be more for Dr. Pierce over here. Oh, gosh. So you got identical twins and then you got fraternal twins. Mm. And then fraternal twins can be, okay, I want to know. You can have fraternal twins that are both boys and you can have fraternal twins that are both girls. And can you so have fraternal twins that are boy and a girl? Yeah. 
but you can't have identical twins that are no. boy and a girl. No. Yeah. So can fraternal twins be look exactly the same? Well, they, I mean, if they looked so alike that like, they looked the same. And Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, are they identical twins? I think they're identical yeah, twins. Yeah, identical. Okay. But I don't know. But, I mean, like, I mean, you can have siblings that look so similar. I guess you can have twins that look very, very similar that aren't identical. But then you can but also have when identical twins. But when they are identical, like two boys or two girls, yeah. obviously, they are going to look exactly the same. That is what identical is, correct? Yeah, I mean, unless one of them has like a birthmark or yeah. one of them but gets genetic, <laughs> But their genetic makeup is literally yeah. the same. Yeah, okay. We don't have to put this on the podcast. I just <laughs> needed to know so we can continue. I just hope it's correct. Dr. Timmy's going to listen back to this and be like, oh, listen oh here, God, so you need a schooling. <laughs> I'm getting back to clarify. Um, well, thank you so much for thank you honestly you were an incredibly strong woman one to share your stories to people that I really think will relate to and understand and appreciate so thank you for that and also it blows my mind like I just met you what an hour and a half ago and I I just have so much respect for you Aww. for what you've been through. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thank girls. you so much. Thanks girl. for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.